This podcast is brain powered by the University of Sydney. We are controlling transmission. Dr. Carl and Adam Spencer. Adam Spencer with you. Dr. Carl sitting alongside me in May, I say, a very nice jumper. We'll get to that in just a second. Dr. Carl on this Sleek Geeks podcast. That jumper, I do like it. Made from yak fur, I bought in the Himalayas. You bought the jumper or the yak fur? The jumper, which had been made from yak fur, then died. And the trouble with yak fur is that it has lots of oil naturally in it, even after it's been dyed. Mm-hmm. So the advantage is that it stays moist and strong. The disadvantage is that when you walk down the stairs mm. in socks made of yak fur, sure, you slip down. And I have a if they're ser- wooden stairs or slate stairs, wooden, wooden yeah. stairs. And I have a series of photos showing the colour changes of haemoglobin as it breaks down in my buttocks over a series of two weeks. <laughs> I, man, the, the socks went and I just went boom, boom, boom down the stairs, landing on the same point of my buttocks all the way down. And when I came down, I was very sore. Everybody was saying, are you okay? I was mm. okay. It was my dignity, not any yeah. part of my, not my brain or my spine. That had been bruised. And then they said, that's a good bruise. And I thought, bruise, you say? I do remember the bruises change colour. So in the X-rated section of my home uh, photo portfolio, mm. my buttocks over 14 days showing the bruise going from brown to green and back into yellow. The, I, I, I got a bruise once. I was mm. playing in a charity tennis match, uh, uh, a doubles match ah. for, for the wonderful people at the Starlight Foundation. They used to have a, a, a tennis competition every That's year. for the kids' hospital. Yes. I was playing with Tony Roach, former Australian great. Mm. Tony Roach against late. If he could hit a ball hard enough to go right through your body and out the other side. He was very handy. Fitter, so he was doing most of the heavy lifting when <laughs> we were playing together. Uh, against uh, Peter Overton from Channel 9 News and uh, 60 Minutes. I gave him a guided tour through the ABC when he was at high school when his dad was my boss as an anaesthetist at the kids' hospital. There you go. And Leighton Hewitt. Never met him. Fine at, chap. At the time, number one tennis player in the world, had done the right thing and come and played in this charity day to help out his friend... John Newcomb. We're on the centre court, so we're all mic'd up. So I'm getting that Newcomb and uh, Lady Hewitt. Hewitt were on opposite sides. No, no, those two against you and Overton. No, no Newcomb was watching. <laughs> it was me and Tony Roach versus Hewitt and Overton. Newcomb right. was running the whole day. Right, okay. And uh, we're on the centre court, so we're microphoned up. Ah. And the crowd watching and we're commentating and telling jokes and all that sort of stuff. And it's fair to say my sort of uh, verbal acuity was making more of an impact than my backhand. <laughs> and and there's one bit where where I've, I've gone to hit a shot and hit a terrible shot. And Tony Roach has, you know, come on and started giving me a bit of a ribbing going, come on, Adam, fire up. Don't He points across the net. Don't you realise who we're playing against here? And I pause for a second and I look across at the two of them and I say, Roachie, I recognise the guy from 60 Minutes. <laughs> Who's the kid from High Five? Oh. I say pointing at Leighton Hewitt. Crowd has a bit of a laugh. The next point. I'm in at the net. Leighton Hewitt's in at the net. Uh, Peter Overton serves. Tony Roach puts up this lob and Leighton Hewitt just starts running back. He's looking at the ball. He's looking down at me at the net. He's looking at the ball. He's looking at me shouting, I've got it. I've got it. He smashes this ball. He'd be four metres away from me. Oh, my heavens. It hits me on the leg, on the left thigh, halfway between the knee and the hip on the outside there. Ah, oh, near the lateral cutaneous nerve. Exactly what I thought. Hit me so hard, it knocked me over. Wow. Right. 
I'm lying on the ground. He's leaning over the net. Ball, a tennis ball <laughs> had enough speed to give it momentum that it knocked you over. He's leaning over the net going, sorry, mate. So it was very funny. Everyone's having a great time. And uh, I got this bruise and I was so proud of this bruise because this was my Leighton Hewitt bruise. Mm-hmm. I would wake up every morning for a couple of weeks and the first thing I'd do is roll over, look at the bruise and hit it a few times just to try and prolong the bruise. <laughs> it started as that sort of, it was that purple ring yeah. and then the inside was just the yellow dot. Right. And and then after a few days of me slapping it every morning to try and keep my Leighton Hewitt bruise, mm-hmm. it sort of changed colour a bit and I thought I'd probably better stop <laughs> deliberately disturbing. So that was the, the it had broken blood vessels, the haemoglobin had gone out and now is being denatured and being recycled by your body to be reused again because it's an expensive chemical to make. And so the breakdown products were different colours, heading through Billy Verdon, Verdon being green. And so I was heading towards green, but going through the yellow. Okay. Now you were talking about slipping on the stairs with your mm. yak, with, with your fancy pants, greasy yak hair, yak woolish socks. Mm. The most I've ever hurt myself on a set of stairs was a delayed reaction. Ah. I was trying to get, I was really overweight, out of shape, trying to get fit. And so I walked up the stairs at my house uh, just, you know, the sort of flight thing, probably about 100 times, just walk the stairs, came back down, walk the stairs, oh, came back really down. Walk- I thought this would yeah, be pretty good. I was 105 kilos at the time, terribly out of shape, had done no exercise for ages, thought I'd just walk these stairs. That night, woke up at about 2 in the morning with a cramp uh, in my calf. In the calf. That was so strong that when I tried to roll out of bed, to stand up mm-hmm. and get out of bed. When I bent my leg to try and stand up, it would cramp again. <gasps> and and not just a minor cramp, one of those really deep, excruciatingly painful, I could not straighten my leg for fear of it cramping again. So I had to eventually get out of bed by rolling myself out, staying completely straight, and then trying to stand, Ooh. trying to stand up with it. Literally, if I bent my leg 20 degrees, it would seize up. In this, it was impossible to walk or move, to get myself from lying on the ground. Try and get yourself one day from lying on the ground to upright without bending the bending legs. So muscle cramp. What what what's happening there? What was happening to me? Okay. Um, oh, think about what is a cramp? Ratchets. Like like in, in muscles are two molecules called actin and myosin, which I'm trying to do a little hand gesture here. Where you've got little hooks that move along each other like barbed wire. So you've you've got your fingers sort of cupped in a hook, and you're walking one hook up your forearm. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of little ratchets along the way, and they do this at super fast speed. And some, of course, are optimized for high speed. Mm-hmm. Some are optifi- optimized for being able to do it at slower speed, but hang in there for hours and hours. And cramps are when the muscles, either the muscle group that you're using or a subsidiary one, pull tight. And don't let go. And your worst case of this is tetanus, Mm -hmm. where all the muscles in your body are switched on. So you've cut yourself on a rusty nail Mm -hmm. and the bacterium clostridium tetani gets into your body, puts out a, a bunch of chemicals that switch on your muscles and they do not let go. And so both your biceps and your triceps, 
which have opposite actions, mm-hmm. are full on. And the legs, the muscles on the front of your legs and the back of your legs are switched on. So basically you end up with the back of your head and the back of your heels touching the ground and your body arched in between and then gradually the... That's all the muscles spasm and cramp. To, and, and it turns out that the uh, ones on the front, on the back of your legs are stronger than the ones on the front of your legs and then you just end up uh, having it spread to your lungs and then you die. Get vaccinated. Dr. There, there are certain muscles that people will cramp more often, like you know, like your calf, calf hamstring. Um, I, if I swim, oh yeah. If I swim a long way, I'm the world's like like you said. You know, people are, you know, some muscles are just slow and dependent. When I swim, I look like an eighty-two-year-old man who might die at any stroke. But Don't I worry, Junior. We'll keep an eye on you. You're not drowning. That sort of yeah, fun. But yeah. but I can swim two kilometers. You're I just I, I just plod. I swim so slowly, I can't really get tired. And so when, but I just use my arms, I've barely used my legs at all. When I've swum as far as I can sometimes, mm-hmm. first thing to go is in the arch of my foot. Oh, really? I'll get a cramp from trying to straighten my legs up and kick a little bit and that sort of stuff. I get that muscle in the arch of the foot mm-hmm. cramps. That's a doozy when that one goes. Ah. So you, just just before we get on to that, the swimming thing, my swimming style is about as inefficient as yours, but I can only do about 50 metres at a time unless I gradually do lots of training I can get it up to fairly high. And I remember swimming in the Olympic swimming pool at the University of Sydney mm. and Dawn Fraser. Our Dawn. Our Dawn. Aussie Dawn. Would would just sort of go up and down with this incredibly beautiful and elegant style, Mm. and then these young guys would go, that's Dawn Fraser, I'll just show her. And then with hardly any increase in effort, she'd just out-accelerate and lose them as they were trying to keep up with her. Still just had that buoyancy, that glide across the water. You get there only by going out there every morning from 4 o'clock till 7 o'clock for 15 years in a row. Following the black line. The black line. Now, when, you, when muscles cramp, it, 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 deeper muscles, like deep in the groin and things like that, seem hurt more and are harder to relieve sometimes than the more sort of feels like superficial muscles. Am I yeah. right there? And, and I don't know why. We do know that there are so many causes of muscle cramping that we don't know what causes each individual one. Over, overuse of that muscle Over, when you haven't used it before? Yeah, or, so bending it too much or exposing to large changes in temperature or changes in your electrolyte level, so certain drugs like Lasix or people on kidney dialysis, or dehydrating or low blood salt or too high salt, um, and they can be a symptom of pregnancy and kidney disease and restless legs and, and electrolyte disturbances and insulin level. There are so many different different causes that overwhelmingly when somebody gets a cramp, all we can say is we're not too sure why it works. In a very tiny minority of cases, you might get somewhere with a bit of, and everybody will quote, magnesium. In most Mm. cases, it doesn't work, but the old confirmation bias kicks in. It'll work there or sometimes B vitamins. What usually fixes them is time and or uh, massage and or relaxation and or a hot bath. Mm. So, But there's so many causes that are described in medical journals that overall we don't know a single major cause. One one way to avoid cramps in the lower parts of your legs mm-hmm. is don't be stupid enough to do no exercise for 10 years and then walk up and down stairs for a couple of hours thinking you're going to undo that 10 years in a couple of hours. Boom, boom. Tip from me. What's up? Twitter time. Yeah. Come on. Twitter. My favourite part of the show, that. I love, I love the Twitter time. Sting. What some people don't realise, 
Carl, is that that is actually you, that voice, doing that, isn't it? I've seen you do it. I'm a great dancer and my singing abilities are magnificent also. You strip down virtually naked with a very tight pair of those sort of athletic skins pants on and in a darkened room, and then it's just amazing what you do there. You can't wear too much lycra, I say. No. And, the, and the way you manage to make those... Sounds, I won't explain how. While doing the deep voice frequencies at the same time is amazing. Trade secret. Anyway, let's on, on the topic of Twitter. Zachary Sergianis has asked us a question. Zachy1996 at the uh, at Sleek Geeks Twitter handle. What's your opinion on the disclosure project done in the US by Stephen Greer on UFOs. Have you heard of this? Yes, and it's no different from all of the other UFO ones. I, when I was 15 years old, started reading UFO books. Sure. And from the age, Why am I not surprised? From the age of 15 to about 18, I was absolutely convinced that UFOs were real, mm-hmm. and it bothered me mm-hmm. as to why they would appear only to people who lived in caravans and drank a lot of beer, mm-hmm. until later in life, I, too, moved into the countryside, drank a lot of beer, and lived in a caravan. Mm-hmm. I almost saw a UFO. So this is this your lifestyle was pushing you towards it. Did you so at the time you believed there was a conspiracy reaching to the very highest levels of the American government and military industrial complex to cover up this sort of stuff? Mm. And then I started thinking for myself. Ah, uh, always always a mistake. And, and then I thought, hang on. I can see spy photographs of aeroplanes of the enemy, the enemy, and um, look, I can even see all these fine details like rivets. How come every single photo taken of a UFO is out of focus? Why is that so? And why? Then you ask the deeper philosophical question. If the UFO people, whoever they are, want to remain hidden, God damn, they're doing a bad job because mm-hmm. they keep on appearing to people all over the place. And if they want to make themselves known, they're doing a bad job as well. All they have to do is just turn up at a World Cup final and land on a football field and mm-hmm. say, here we are. Mm-hmm. And this falls into the same category. The latest one I got last night was somebody was showing a photograph of something that looked like a UFO with big air vents and propellers on it saying, this is a UFO that was captured by the American and this has been hidden in Area 51. And somebody on the Twitter feed said, well, actually, no, it was made by Canadian aircraft company in the 1960s when they, and, and here's the history of it. And if only, I want to believe in UFOs. I want to believe that the UFO people will come and land and say, hi, Carl, love your work. Look, we're going to give you a bottle of Geritol mm. so that you will live forever and your whole family can come. And also we're going to travel fast than the speed of light so you'll be able to travel with us for a thousand years. And we'll take you through the entire universe and bring you back with a thousand years worth of knowledge in one minute's time, in Australian time. Mm-hmm. I want that to happen. Sure. I want it so bad. Mm-hmm. Never happened. And Geritol is the stuff. Well, it makes you, uh, traditionally in the science fiction stories of the 1960s and 70s, it keeps you living forever. Can we get them to sponsor the podcast? I love Geritol. Yeah, mate, I love Geritol. Well, no worries with them at all. I've been drinking Geritol for 845 <laughs> years. Look at me. As part, apart from your leg cramps. Sleep cakes.